Welcome to episode two of Women on the Move, Behind Closed Doors podcast series. In season one, we are bringing you the latest insights from leading business women and entrepreneurs. Hello, I am Donnie Walford, the founder and managing director of Behind Closed Doors. And in today's episode, I am speaking with Dr. Annette Watkins. She's a non-executive director, academic, social researcher, and entrepreneur. Annette had 20 years experience in the oil and gas sector, where she worked on several large reform projects in Australia, the United Kingdom, Asia, and the US, which has led her to her academic career. She built two successful international businesses, one in sustainability and now in her training and education business. You wear many hats, Annette, academic, businesswoman and entrepreneur, non-executive director and facilitator with Behind Closed Doors and mother of two gorgeous girls. How on earth do you find time in your busy life for yourself? I, I think the short answer is that everything I do, I enjoy. So that's the first thing. And, you know, it is a organized chaos and I kind of love that (laughs) my girls keep me busy I love my board work and being an academic it gives you that solitary time to reflect which I really value too so whilst it looks busy I think the diversity is really or I know the diversity is really important to me so I do have busy times but I do have in other parts of my career time to reflect which I think is important Mm. now that that's that's obviously a good balance for you because you also run an international business. Yeah, so we've been fortunate to partner with some of the big universities in the States and we're looking only this at, at the start of this year um, in China, which is a really interesting time. Many parts of the world are starting to, to look at the need to reinvest in their own youth particularly. Some parts of the the globe are experiencing up to 70% youth unemployment. And so we have been invited to participate in tra- retraining um, some of those young graduates. So it's, it's really exciting. It's a challenge because of cultural differences. Um, so really having to reassess, am I looking at the problem in that country with my experience coming from Australia? So I do love that challenge. Mm. And it's wonderful that you've been sought out out. Yeah, and, and it comes down to networks and yourself, Donnie, you know, you are the connector and I think we, we need to nurture business relationships for the long-term view and don't expect instant gratification. So if I look at some of the things we're doing in the States, that has been a seven-year project in China. That has been a relationship I've nurtured since probably around 2013. But it's persistence and being really genuine that we're here to help and only do something instinctively feels right and that probably doesn't sound like a really good business decision but if it feels like you're pushing too hard then it's not the right decision. It's it's interesting what you said earlier about it took seven years to get to to where you are in the US and and it's the answer to it took me seven years to become an overnight success. Because everyone thinks it's, you know, your success has just sort of happened, but it's a lot of work. And persistence, that's, it's, it's one of my key areas that I put down to my 
own success is definitely persistence. Absolutely. And you need to chip away and look at that bigger picture. Mm. You've been with the Behind Closed Doors uh, representative in Perth for past eight years now. What attracted you to join the team and to expand Behind Closed Doors into Perth? And what keeps you in the BCD community? That's an easy thing to answer, Donnie. Um, It is first and foremost the community that has been established. Uh, I find that they are really challenging conversations that have happening behind closed door groups and meetings and events and they're different conversations that we don't have in our workplaces. They are those hard conversations that often um, friends won't have with you because they just don't want to uh, worry you or they feel they are only supportive if they tell you what you want to hear. And, you know, I've seen real results over the, the time I've been involved. And you're basically describing a room full of coaches rather than a one-on-one coach, like in my experience, all coming from very different experiences and backgrounds. Absolutely. Because in business, we can go in a direction and think, well, that's how we've always done it and we've been successful there and provide you with the potential to see things that you don't see, these blind spots that is... Um, you know, one of the the benefits of being part of BCD. So Annette, you are now one of the national facilitators for the career planning program. What excites you in this role? Look, I think this is a really important thing to be doing now. We are now facing a she session where women are particularly being impacted because of COVID. We also know that women can transition in their careers up to 15 times more than men. And we know that skills are outdated within five years. By 10 years, we need to upskill. So this program gets you to think big and broad um, and prepare yourself for what is in the future. So you, you mentioned some stats, women will have more career changes than men. I haven't realised that before. So so why do you think that is? Yeah, and, and it's because of the multiple roles that we play. We've interviewed over 300 women in the States for a book that we're writing at the moment around um, transition, women and transition. And we have interviewed women with two PhDs um, in um, engineering, so the most intelligent women, and they're trailing spouses to different parts of the globe for their careers. So we're seeing women tend to take the backward step in their career, but also are vulnerable in some of the careers that they choose, whether it be hospitality, as we're seeing at the moment, caring roles, which easily are becoming um, redundant. So all of those sorts of things put together paint a picture for women's careers. But, you know, when you're out of the workplace, what are you doing to ensure that you're ready to step into the next role? And I think, you know, this program particularly gets women to um, constantly think about that. What are they doing now as future employees? So you've had over 20 years experience in the oil and gas sector. What were the opportunities and challenges you faced as a female leader in this traditional male-dominated industry sector? I started in the sector um, when I was 17. I left high school straight after year 12. Within one day, I was working in Adelaide um, and took a role and then just stayed in that sector. I love the sector because um, of the diversity in it. 
But I, I must admit, you know, I remember moments in my career getting engaged and my uh, CEO saying, well, you'll be stepping down now and really not understanding why he was even asking that question of me. And so there were moments where on reflection that I should have been clearer in what I was contributing. I was happy just to go along and get the work done and not speak up about my contributions or make it known. I just thought by doing a good job, that's what you needed to do. So there's some really interesting challenges, but I don't regret any of that. I've just learnt from that experience. So now you're a successful entrepreneur. You established a social enterprise business in Australia, US and Hong Kong. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? So we managed to uh, work with organisations like um, Corporate Social Responsibility Asia and they're across the globe. Um, And we worked with projects, for instance, setting up a, a working cafe where we got to train young people who have disabilities. And in some parts of Asia, those people often are not given many opportunities. There's there's not the infrastructure that we have for disability over here. And they were responsible for everything in these cafes throughout Hong Kong. And those, those initiatives are still running today, which gives me a sense of pride to see that we've made a difference in their lives. That's wonderful. So we've heard a little bit earlier about your experience with having a a partner in the US and and it's led to an opportunity perhaps in China. How did you go about establishing that partnership in the US when you actually live in Australia and in Perth in particular? It started with a drink on a beach in Hawaii. (laughs) Why not? (laughs) And it really was that. It was um, a woman I met on a beach in Hawaii. I was there for a conference and we just happened to go for a drink. And that was back in 2011 and then found this synergy. For the current work we're doing, it was within uh, nine weeks we had rolled out a pilot. We just it just worked and it was easy and we were able to pull together material. Yeah, so it was it was staying in touch, but it started with just saying yes to a drink on the beach. Oh, that's a great story. But now you're in a successful board career as well. Uh, tell us why you join boards and what would you recommend women need to do in their preparation to commence their board career? So I, I love my board roles. Um because it gets you the opportunity to think really big picture and um, I find that that strategy thinking exciting. I sit on four boards so one of them is um, I'm the deputy chair of the mental health fellowship and that's a wonderful board where we as a national body are looking at grassroots initiatives to help with mental illness. I'm also company secretary to uh, some other company um, boards which I really enjoy because I think if we are going to make, particularly in social enterprise and not-for-profit sector, if we are going to make a difference, we need to run these boards like company boards. So we and we're held accountable anyway. And I think people underestimate you know, the responsibility of sitting on not-for-profit social enterprise boards. And I suppose one of the advice is that I would be encourage people to be selective about what boards they want to join and not join because of the cause only. And you can have an impact and do something good with that cause by donating that money or volunteering your time in another way. So, you know, I would never discount being part of not-for-profit boards as part of your portfolio. The exposure that you get to looking at how business 
can um, have an impact, you know, good business can have an impact upon how not-for-profits are operated and, you know, they become sustainable organisations in the future and then do good for our society. Thank you for that. And finally, you have a PhD and an academic career currently with Notre Dame. Tell us about your academic career and what you did your research on it for your PhD and knowing that we heard a little earlier from you that you really like this part of your career because it, it's a really good reflection time for you. So I did a PhD some years ago in sustainability and that came about because I was in oil and gas and fell into renewable energy and had a renewable energy operation and then went into the training space. But I put a gender lens over the top of it. So I looked at how do we become sustainable as organisations in terms of environment, economic, socially. And if we address gender, will we actually become more sustainable um, organisations? And it was interesting, uh, the some of the statistics and the cases that I came across did indicate that, you know, if we do look at gender and have a you know, parity of pay and those sorts of things, that organisations' cultures change and therefore we address the sustainability at the same time. But a PhD for me was a challenge. It was less about the intellectual challenge, um, but it was much more of a psychological challenge. And for a very long time, I suffered the imposter syndrome. I didn't write for 12 months, nearly got kicked out of my program. And that's when I committed to writing um, every day from five to seven in the morning for two hours. And it is, it's a ritual now for me. So, So you mentioned about the imposter syndrome and you stopped writing for 12 months. What was that about? Well, I was intimidated by the idea of doing a PhD. It was a fear of not being able to produce something that was worthy because a PhD is about adding to the body of knowledge. And I realised, and now this is the thing I tell my PhD students is, it's a journey and that you finish your PhD. And yes, you know, you may be an expert in this tiny pin drop of knowledge, but it's, it's an apprenticeship of how to research, how to put together some great arguments. So I, I'm, I loved the process and would do it again. That is so awesome for the would-be PhD students out there, Annette, but also um, lovely to hear that you no longer suffer the imposter syndrome. Well, that's another conversation, (laughs) I think, Dottie. (laughs) I think I'm going to do a second series and get you back on that question. Thank you so much for being part of our podcast series, Annette. We've really loved interviewing you today and thanks so much for your time. Thank you. It's always a joy talking with you, Donnie. Thanks for listening to the Women on the Move podcast brought to you by Behind Closed Doors. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast so you never miss an episode. To find out more about leadership and professional development for you, visit BehindCloseDoors.com where you can find the full range of memberships and coaching and mentoring options available. This is a Narrative Network podcast.